This is Melody from Smirkin' Dagger Games. We are the creators of Dread Curse, Cutthroat Caverns, Run for Your Life, Candyman, Shooting Ladders, Hexex, and Sutaku. Thanks for listening to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, episode number 23, Ooh, That Smell, proud member of the Dice Tower Network. I'm Tony, and as always, joining me is Marty. How you doing, Marty? I thought we weren't going to use song titles as titles of our episodes anymore. I know we said we were going to stop that, and then we said, well, maybe not, and definitely we probably would. But, you know, this, this episode, we've... It's starting to stink. My computer is smelling raunchy because it's got some really old Gen Con interviews, and we need to get them out there, man. Oh, is that what that comes from? I was like, where is this going with the, ooh, that smell? I thought it was more of that, you know, it's a hint to me to take a shower or something like that. So, No, it's it's just, let's see, Gen Con's been over, what, for over a month now? It, time of this recording, a month, yes. Yeah, so these things have been sitting out there. We need to get them done. And there's some still some good information in the interviews that I was able to pull off uh, at Gen Con. So we definitely want to let our listeners hear those. I mean, we've got uh, on one of them, we've got the CEO, Dan Yarrington from Game Salute. He's going to be, uh, he did an interview with us. We've got Sean Garrity from um, Boshka Games. And actually, there was uh, Melody from Smirk and Daggers. And Marty, um, I know you listened to that one. That's They got some unusual games. Um, I mean, where they took Candyland and made it kind of put, I don't know, violence in it. And then you got um, one where gingerbread men are carrying guns. Uh, it's kind of interesting. That's awesome. That's the way Candyland should be. Let's beef this up a little bit, put a little bit of mature content in there. Well, that's what Melody and I were talking about is just how it would roll to the next level, what you really wanted to play Candyland as, you know? So who knows? But other than that, I mean, we've got those. So we've got four interviews lined up today. But um, one thing that we're trying, and this was just one of your other brilliant ideas, was our survey. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Say that again. Brilliant idea. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Didn't whose? Say it again. Whose? Whose idea? It was yours. Okay. Oh, yes. There you go. Okay. Mufasa. Say it again. (laughs) Anyway. Um, So, um, but we, um, at the table, you know, got a lot of good rankings. And so go ahead, Mark. It was your idea. What have we done here? (laughs) Wait a minute. I may not want credit for this because this may be an epic failure and then it won't look so brilliant after all. So what I suggested was from our last episode where we talked about the survey results, one of the most liked segments was the at the table segment. And for those who don't know, that was one where we've gone to our local gaming club and we have a question and we go around to the tables as people are playing and we just ask them a question and then we put it all together and present that as a segment on the show and then just kind of talk about the answers. And I thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool for anybody to be able to contribute to that segment and just basically send us an audio response that we will include in the show. So that is what we are going to try. Recently at one of our gaming events, we asked the question, what is your favorite Halloween themed game? 
And with Halloween a month and a half away, uh, we'll be doing an episode right before then. And we thought, hey, why don't we give our listeners an opportunity to contribute? So what we've done, and we put a blog post about this earlier this week and put it into our BGG uh, Guild forums. Uh, Basically, if you want to contribute, all you have to do is send us an MP3 or WAV file with basically just answering that question. If you want to, you can state your name. Hi, my name is such and such, and my favorite Halloween game is, or it could just be, you could just say the game, blah, and we'll put it in there. And so however many entries we get, we'll put them into the segment, and then we'll just kind of get a good cross-section of what people's favorite uh, Halloween games are as opposed to what's coming in our game club. So to do that, just send a that file to our email address, which is names at gmail.com. And when you send it, one of us will send a response back just to let you know that we got it, and then we'll put it in the show. And we'll be more specific. Marty will be sending you a response back because it's not like I monitor the emails very well because I'm technology challenged with my phone, as most of you have remember in here. I mean, you know, I see a tweeter and I have to tweeter. What's a tweeter? Anyway, it's a tweeter bird. I mean, it's kind of like, what was it? You, you were tweeting about stronghold, getting a ton of money. So I get home and I can finally see, you know, what's going on. And I'm, I was confused. What, what the heck were you talking about? Getting a ton of money. Oh, 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 What was oh, that about? Okay, this okay. This was on the Twitter account the other day. This is not true. This was just a fun rumor we were having with with the guys at Stronghold. Somebody had said some, made some comment in Stronghold about some game that was coming out, and somebody said they're re-releasing HeroScape, and then it just kind of snowballed. It's like, oh my goodness, Stronghold game is re-releasing HeroScape. It's going to be the biggest thing ever, and it's, they're going to make tons of money. That's where that came from. We were just having fun. Okay, so for those of us who don't get to monitor. Twitter during the day and we come and then we see this all of a sudden we start digging around on the website trying to say what are they talking about HeroScape what 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 are they talking about I- anyway so okay so that's yeah what but doing. Why, why, okay what is the real reason why you don't check Twitter because you you work for like at your job you have like network Nazis running your uh, network over there and won't let you do anything. Well, you know, it's only going to get better when they take away all my admin access to the computer. That's okay. Not a problem. Let's move. Hey, I know. Yeah, really. It's it's interesting. It'll just be one of those things that I just have to overcome because, you know, there are a lot of bad things out there. You know, bad viruses, malware, you know, all that stuff. You just, you got to protect. You got to protect your employees. And that's understandable. You know, what can I say? Um, also, what was the other thing I wanted to mention to you? Oh, Darn it. Start talking because I, it, it was just there and I, I forgot. God darn it. Do you oh, want me to start uh, singing, ooh, that smell? No, that's okay. Uh, first, I uh, do want to give a shout out ourselves. You know, but can't you smell that smell? Ooh, smell that, that smell. smell. Cardboard Jungle did a shout out, <laughs> didn't they? Uh, yes, they did. They had an episode where they talked about some of the podcasts that they listened to and uh, we were actually on that list and it was very nice of them to, to mention us and say that they, they listened to us and uh, they were talking about it and they said, you know, a couple guys who were just kind of laid back and we have the Southern accents and from South Carolina. Well, we're close. We live about yes, what? Very 15, close. 20 minutes from the border. Each of us do, but we are actually in North Carolina. Then I told them, it's like, not that you can really tell the difference between North Carolinians and South Carolinians anyway, from the accent. Well, prop. well right. 
I think maybe uh, anyway, deep in South Carolina, they're a little bit thicker. I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but uh, close enough where we can get cheaper gas if we need to. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah, like almost 20 to 30 cents cheaper gas in South Carolina. Thank you, South Carolina. We, we appreciate that. And way to run the lottery well before North Carolina. <laughs> Thank you. I, I know my numbers didn't show up the other day, so I'm going to be keeping the day job. But anyway, uh, I do. I, yeah. that, was, that was real cool of them guys to... Uh, to give a little shout out to us. And we, uh, we appreciate that. And they also mentioned the five minute initiatives, which seem to be, as we mentioned on the last episode with the survey results, that that is a popular segment. And Tony and I are busy, busily working towards getting a five minute initiative video segment put together. And, uh, we actually went to the game store this past week, looking for a couple places to shoot. And I'm looking for some editing software. So, we're trying to get the ball rolling there. Just just give us a little time, and we'll get that out there, and we'll see if that's uh, successful or not. Yeah, and that was one of the other things I wanted to mention. So if anybody could post, we'd appreciate it. I know Win- um, Windows Movie Maker is very popular for freeware, and I have Pinnacle, and I'm not a big fan of it. But if you have any ideas on some editing software, uh, we re- would really like to hear your opinions on how well it's been going for you on using that if you shoot videos and i'm marty another um part of the dice tower network the secret cabal they had a uh their recent podcast where they went over the manhattan project i've been you know thinking about is that one of the games that i'd like to pick up for my Mm -hmm. next um, worker placement they you know uh great detail i i really like listening to their strategies and you know that it was, they kept talking about the unique concepts and that was a very good review. I don't know if you got to listen to it, but it helped me decide that, you know, for my gaming group, that one's not going to be put in the old, put on the shelf. That That's going to be a, a little thick. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's a little too deep, I think, and too much strategy. Oh, so I don't know okay. if you got, I don't know if you got to listen to that from the secret cabal or not. I, I have not uh, had a chance to listen to it yet. So it's, uh, it's gone off your buy list, huh? Yeah, it's gone off the buy list for now. Um, we're going to try to probably, however, and we're going to do a five minute probably on this one rise of Augustus. I think it's, it's getting on that buy list. I mean, you and I both played that mm-hmm. the other night. Uh, you've got to play a couple times. Um, it's a very simple game. I, I, I mean, what'd you think? Rise of Augustus. That's why I wanted you to play it because I thought it would be a good one that you play with your neighbors because I know that they like some of the lighter games. And we'll go into a lot more detail on the five-minute initiative, but I think we both kind of walked away. Well, I'll, I'll say this. When I first heard about the game, I said, I have no interest in this. I thought, I ain't going to like this at all. And then it was a pleasant surprise. And when I'm pleasantly surprised, it actually gains a little bit more respect than what it normally would have because it, it's – you know, it caught me off guard. It's better than what I thought it was. So I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that's, you know, Rise of a Ghost by Asmodee. And I, me too. I mean, Lee, uh, who is in our Netrunner League, boom, boom, um, said that, you know, he he was surprised. It's what, Geek Bingo? And that's really what it was. But there there's more strategy. So if you get a chance, go play that one. That's a, that's a pretty good game. And Marty and I will do a lot better job on the five minute. Just want to touch on that. And then once again, we got to play Gravwell again. That one's going to show up on our five minute, uh, initiatives. And, um, Marty, you almost won that one this time. Well, I won the first time you did. Oh, I thought it was, um, the other no, guy. You it was the me. First time? It was me. I was the winner. I was the winner. Not you, not the other people we play with. It was me. Yeah, that 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 game is really cool. And, and it, you know, but what's so cool about it is you remember in the in the game that we played, 
you know, in the very early on, I was way behind. And then all of a sudden, because of how the mechanics work in the game, I shot to the front and actually, you know, was within one card of winning the game. I mean, that's that's what's so cool about the game where you feel like, oh, I'm out of the game, but you're not. Oh, you you never are. And if you if you play, I mean, you're guessing what the other players are going to do. Like for me, you know, Lee won that game uh, the other night and it was all because my card went before his and he was able to pull himself because had I not moved right in front of him, he would have gone 10 the other way, if I remember correctly, and you would have vaulted to the front. But by me playing right in front of him, boom, he was able to pull himself right through me and, and get on out of the um, singularity. That was a, uh, every time I play, it's, it's an amazing game. And I, I'm really glad that I, I got to pick that up at Gen Con. Silence on the other end. That hurts. That's like, you know, I thought that wound had healed, but had not. And salt has been poured directly into it. Uh, I think you can get over it after the butt kicking you gave me in Netrunner this week. (laughs) (laughs) But it was the first one in quite a while. You have been beating up on me pretty bad. And it wasn't like a butt kicking. It was close. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So let's see. You scored um, all the agendas when you were a runner. And I think... I think I scored the same amount of agendas as the corporation and runner both times, but we won't even anyway. Yeah. That game's still getting a lot of play guys. Um, if you haven't looked into it, I know we talk about it all the time, but it really is. It's a good card game. So anyway. yeah, it, like I said, like I said, and we've said this before, that's well, I don't think we've gotten into a game so much since over 10 years ago when Lord of the Rings was out as far as like a collectible type card game. Yeah. And we got to play Lord of the Rings recently. That was nice. That was a good throwback to, um, to a year and a half ago. Well, we're, t- we're talking about the Lord of the Rings LCG from Fantasy Flight. Not yeah. the not the Same. ones that we played 10 years ago. Or the Hero Clicks by so-and-so or the Sabretooth Games Octagon ones or the Lord of the Rings deck building games by Cryptozoic. We're talking about Lord of the Rings by Fantasy Flight. <laughs> yeah. <living> card game. <laughs> it's like, gee, which Lord of the Rings is it? Not, not the dice game, not the deck building game, not the board game. There's a lot of Lord of the Ring games. Yeah, I, I wonder why. So, anyhow, or the the yeah the dice game. Yeah, that was on. That's still on clearance over at Miniature Market. <laughs> it is. Wow. Yes, that's not good. On, Mm, no, but anyway. All right. Well, Marty, I think we've yucked it up long enough here. So you want to kick over to the interviews? Yeah. Let's go ahead and get started. What do you say? It's three of them, right? Uh, there's actually four. We've got four. The first one is um, Ted Allspot, mm-hmm. um, known for Ultimate Werewolf, designer of that. He also did a lot of um, expansions to Age of Steel. Steam, um, and he talks a little about his next werewolf game that has come out, and it's one where it's kind of like find the werewolf. Find I really didn't get a good chance to um, preview it at Gen Con, but I did get to play probably a really interesting game that I wish I had gotten more chances so I could pick up on it. You suck. I got to get it just for the name alone. I know. Oh, great game. Um, so anyway, um, but he's first and then Dan and then uh, we have Melody and Sean Garrity and we ended out with, uh, square shooters, uh, Tom and Brittany. All those are coming up, um, here in a few minutes. Well, actually it's like right now. I'm sitting here with Ted from Bezier games. And we're talking about the game that always ends at our game club, 
Werewolf and the standalone that they've just come out with, which is Ultimate Warehouse Inquisition. I had to look around because I knew I was going to mess it up, and my co-host gets on me all the time about it. I'll put thee and us in words, but Ted, thank you for taking time. How's Gen Con doing? Tell me a little bit about Inquisition and what our gaming group can look forward to in the coming months while we play it and we end out our gaming club. Sure. So, um, yeah, this Gen Con's been great for us. We've sold out of uh, Suburbia, Mutant Meeples, a couple other games we brought. We have a brand new game here at Gen Con, uh, Ultimate Werewolf Inquisition, which is a standalone version of Werewolf. Um, it's an entirely separate game, but it has a lot of the same feel as Werewolf does. Kind of packed into a little shorter package, but adds a little bit of strategy and also does away with elimination and also doesn't require a moderator. Okay, no moderator, so everybody gets to play. That, that's, that's great. Yeah, so, and it plays as few as three people where you have two people on the village team, one person as a werewolf, up to 12. And uh, you always have just one, one or two less uh, werewolves than you have villagers. But the idea is it's kind of novel. So all the players are part of this team of inquisitors. And we've been sent to this small village to find out how to get rid of the werewolves in that village. The werewolves and the villagers in that village are represented by cards. They're all face down on the table. They're randomly um, put on the table. And we don't know what's under those cards, what those cards actually are. Um, but we have special powers. Basically, we visit the homes of those villagers, and there's a seer living in that village, and there's a sorcerer, and there's a, a witch, and that they, we can use their powers to help us figure out who the werewolves are um, that are actually those cards on the table. The catch is, of course, that on the Inquisition team, some of us are werewolves, and we're actually working to protect the werewolves uh, that are there, whereas the rest of the people are just trying to figure out who they are and lynch them. And uh, the game basically goes through and... Um, you can discover if someone else is a werewolf, an actual player's a werewolf, but they're not eliminated. You just know now as a villager not to trust them anymore. But you don't know who all the werewolves are typically <clears throat> throughout a game. And uh, the way the winner's determined is if the four werewolves in the village are found and lynched, the village wins. If there's ever more werewolves than villagers, then the werewolves win. So, uh, you know, it's a game, there's a lot of bluffing. Um, it's a hidden roles, but the really interesting thing about this game, even though it's a hidden roles type game, like Werewolf or Resistance, it doesn't break the game once you know or you're fairly certain if somebody is, is one of the traitors or one of the, the werewolves. So uh, that, that totally gives it a totally different spin than a typical werewolf game. Because once you know someone's a werewolf in regular Ultimate Werewolf, you kill them right away. And they're out of the game. They're gone. Here, when you found out, it's like, ah, now I can't. Now they're going to know what my actions are, but because they know you're a werewolf, you can bluff, and you can pretend to say, I'm going to kill this guy, when it's actually a werewolf, and they're thinking you're going to try to kill a regular innocent villager, so they might all decide, oh, well, it's a villager, let's keep him safe when it's really a werewolf, and you're using reverse psychology on the rest of the village. So it's a real lot of fun, um, lots of bluffing, uh, kind of takes werewolf to a, a different place, a very interesting strategic place uh, that regular werewolf, you just don't have all that information, you can't do all those things. Yeah, but I think from from the standpoint of that it's a game that keeps everybody in it, you know, that's been always, you know, hey, you know, you knock people out, we don't really want to do that. So I think that's an excellent opportunity for everybody to even, maybe even take them to the other werewolf if you pick up Inquisition, and then if you've never played werewolf, who hasn't played werewolf? But anyway, you know what I'm saying? How many people have not played werewolf? I would say that 25% of the people that stop by the booth will ask, what is werewolf? When they look at the werewolf games there, they'll say, what's werewolf? Can you explain it to me? And, uh, you know, it's, it's always a little surprising, but then again, you know, people have lots of different interests. And there's some people who don't know what other types of board games are that we're all familiar with as well. So it's understandable. It's just always a little surprising. You know, okay, 
take a step back and explain to them exactly what the where the, the actual game of Werewolf is. Well, I appreciate your time with that one. Now, one that I, I love the name of it because we say it all the time, You Suck. Where did you come up with that? Tell us about that. It's just out here at Gen Con. It sounds very interesting from everything I've been reading about. I know that Tom's been talking about it on the Dice Tower. So, so tell us a little bit about that one. That one, that one sounds fun. Yeah. So uh, I think you know we play a lot of card games, and uh, this is actually the second game that's come out of us playing a lot of trick-taking games. The first one came out several years ago called Beer and Pretzels, because one of the things we do in trick-taking games is everyone tosses a card to the center, and it becomes kind of this weird little side challenge to see if you can land your card directly on top of someone else's card, or try and just you know cover a corner, or slide it under someone's card, that sort of thing. And so that's actually where Beer and Pretzels came from, which is a dexterity game where you're tossing uh, beer coasters. And uh, this is kind of the second thing that came from that sort of thing. And of course, during trick-taking games, you're always you're talking, and it's much more a very casual, relaxed thing, because there's a limited amount of strategy. And uh, when someone before or after you either takes the trick you wanted to or sets you up to take something you didn't want to take, the phrase, you suck, happens a lot. I mean, people say that all the time. And that's, you know, kind of a <laughs> common sort of, you know, because it's casual, it's fine to say that. Other games, that might not be acceptable, but in trick-taking, that's people are fine with that. And so that's where the, the, that name came from, because you hear it a lot. This is definitely a, there's potential to screw someone over a lot by forcing them to take a trick they don't want. And in this case, they're not tricks, they're ticks. So this is a tick-taking game instead of a trick-taking game. And uh, some of these ticks, uh, all the ticks give you special powers. However, before each round starts, you're going to bid on exactly how many ticks you're going to take. If you're off by one in either direction, you don't get those points. And that's really the, the bulk of the points of the game are by making your bids exactly through the three rounds of the game. So we play a game with everybody that everybody loves in my family and my neighbors and everything. I told them it's called Old Peshaw. Have you ever, and where that's the one where you bid on one and then you keep increasing the bid. So this sounds a lot like it. It sounds, because it is. I mean, you, somebody always goes, we always say you bid like idiots. Now, so, and I'm sorry, but is there bidding in, you, yeah. There, there is. There's, so there's every, every round, there's seven ticks that people can take, up to seven ticks. And you can play anywhere from two to six players. And really, it depends on your, well, if there's six players, you're going to take an average of 1.15 ticks or something. So... Uh, you know, you don't want to bid a lot because there's a chance you're not going to be able to do it. So, you know, if everyone bids one, that's fine. When some person, you could say some idiot, whatever, says four, everyone's like, ah, oh, what do I do now? Is it really going to take four? Um, you know, he's going to say zero. Do I have to say zero now or one? And someone says, I have a really good hand. I want to say two or three. What do I do? Uh, and so you definitely have that sort of thing as it goes around the table and everyone bids on how many ticks they're going to take. Um, there's no rule for this, but typically it ends up being that there's going to be either extra ticks left over that nobody wants because they're they all bid low or not enough ticks which tends to be the, the the situation more often than not and people are fighting to be able to get those ticks and usually the ticks has a special power that gives you an advantage on the next round so it's good to get ticks but at the same time if you get one more tick than you need you may have that special power but you're not going to get the points for that round which is really the goal of the game is getting all those points okay. well that's interesting now one thing i've noticed at the booth that you've got out here you're offering an opportunity to be to uh, win a mini iPad because kind of to celebrate Suburbia going to the um, iPad. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Suburbia for the iPad is coming out this fall. Um, people will be able to actually uh, play Suburbia by themselves against the AI, against other players, uh, all on their iPad. And, and it's really cool. We have a demo that we're letting people actually try it right now. 
uh, but it's it's a great experience. It does all the math for you. Uh, oh. Suburbia is not a hard game, but you know there's a little math involved when you're doing the calculations, and it's nice to have something take care of that for you. So you can just focus on exactly the tiles you want and kind of which one's going to be the most lucrative uh, for your little borough that you're building. I, I do know that when you put something on the, the iPad or that, people can learn the game and then they'll get in the, the board game. So it's always a win-win generally when you when that happens because, hey, it teaches you how to play the game and you, and you get better at it. Oh, definitely. And I think Suburbia is certainly a fairly easy game to pick up. The mechanics are pretty straightforward. Uh, but on an iPad, it's even more so because... Uh, there's a lot of things you don't have to, there's no maintenance, there's no, you know, okay, well, make sure that you move a tile down after you do this, or make sure, these are the only things you can do, because the game tracks all that and only permits you to do the things that you're allowed to do. You're not going to be able to buy a tile that's too expensive, or um, understand how you can do something that normally you just can't even do, so it kind of narrows your scope and your focus to the, the real things that you should be doing for the game. Well, Ted, I appreciate you taking time out here at Gen Con 2013 with me. How's it been for you as far as the, the booth, a lot of traffic being here, um, I know you talked about you about sold out and everything. Well, that's, that is outstanding. So you're not going to have to take a whole lot home on Sunday? Yeah, we're, we have uh, the table. We have a table out front where we sell games. And normally throughout the con, usually have a bunch of boxes underneath where things are stacked. We have boxes, but they're all empty. Or they're filled with games that we've bought at other booths or something. <laughs> so all we have left is what's on the table. And it looks like we're going to sell them pretty much most of everything by the end of the day tomorrow, which is the last day of the con. Well, that is outstanding. Once again, I do appreciate you taking time here with Rolling Dice and Taking Names. So, Marty, next up, we got Dan Yarrington from Game Salute. He's the CEO there, and he took time out to talk to me about their Kickstarters that were going on, but have closed by now. And a lot of them, as a matter of fact, I think all of that occurred. So give it a listen, and hopefully that will answer the questions around the issue that occurred on Kickstarter with Firefly. Hello, this is Tony from Rolling Dice Taking Names. I'm standing here with Dan Yarrington from Game Salute. And, Dan, how's Gen Con going for you today? It's going long and exhausting. We've been here since Monday night, and we set up Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday was a full slate. We did the publisher speed dating, so I was up till like 1 in the morning. Uh, saw 42 games yesterday, so that was crazy. Uh, and now we're on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so we're just powering through. <laughs> I understand that. I mean, everybody I talked to, they've been worn out. I don't know how they're going to make it through Sunday. Now, quick question for you. How is Nothing Personal going? Um, Pixel Lincoln selling well out there at the booth? Yep, now Pixel Lincoln's been in store since the 26th of July, so that's selling a little slower because a lot of the sort of hardcore people picked it up already, but that's been very well received. Jason Tagmeyer's here at the show, the designer, so he's been signing stuff. We actually looked at the uh, sneak peeks of the, of the next expansion for that, so that'll be neat when that comes out later this year, uh, or when it, when it goes on Kickstarter later this year. Uh, nothing personal, Tom and Steve are both here at the show, the designer, so they've been hanging out at the booth and showing it off and signing stuff. I've had a few people come up and give me my card to sign, so that's been selling well as well. Uh, the backers, actually, a lot of the backers have their stuff before the show. We shipped everything well before the show, so the vast majority of U.S. backers at least got their stuff early. And actually, a lot of international backers, I was surprised. We went over there like wow. two days. So we did a rush on that, and that's been Salomo here, too. We had Little Prince, has actually been was one of our best sellers yesterday. Uh, and that one, the uh, the company that makes it, Ludenaut, actually flew in from France. Wow. So Cecile and, and Cedric are here, and they're hanging out at the booth. So those have been sort of three of our, our big ones. And then here's a Metro City, which is by Threesome Games, uh, which we sell, is uh, they're at the booth as well, and that one's been selling real well. So those are the four big ones from yesterday. Now, how are the other Kickstarter-funded projects going? I know you've got Chaos Alchemy here, Magnum Opus as well. Um, doing demos at the booth, pretty well received, or are you doing them over in the uh, um, gaming hall? 
Yeah, so we have a big, the way it works at Gen Con here, we have, a, we have sort of like demo tables. They're really just display tables, they're like standing height tables. And so the booth is primarily for just showing off the games and buying the games. Uh, we do have a big 1,200 square foot booth. And then we have a 30 table space over in the event space. So if people want to sit down, be a little, you know, because the, the hall is very hectic. So if you want to sit down, relax a little more, we're in the events hall right next to Mayfair and the giant D&D castle. So that's, uh, I think it's Hall E technically, but mm -hmm. people go through the door at Hall D. So that's where we're doing all the demos for stuff like Chaos and Alchemy and Magnum Opus and Zufu and a whole bunch of other ones. I think we have nine campaigns up on, on Kickstarter right now. So, uh, and actually we have uh, so three affiliate campaigns, like a duel betwixt us, Fun Employed, and we have demo copies of those here as well. So we both have scheduled events, which you can see at you know, gamesworld.com slash Gen Con is where we had those. And, uh, and so you, we had a schedule for a lot of the ones that are live. And then we also have a game library. So people can just pop in and go, hey, I want to play this game and check it out. And that's stuff like, you know, we have Twin Tin Bots, which is already on Kickstarter, but it's not out yet. So that's how we're handling the event. So we have over 300 events in that hall. So, yeah, I stopped by the booth and they said, just go over there, take a look at it. And, you know, biggest thing is the color of the tables. That's always makes it easy to find without a doubt. Yeah, I believe you're yellow over there. And final question for you. I know, I know that from a standpoint of um, there's been some questions about Firefly. Um, sure. Anything about that? So the only thing, as we said, it was uh, very unfortunate. We had to close down that campaign. The uh, notice that we had there was all we were allowed to post. So, um, But there was really nothing... Um, you know, certainly if you think it through logically, right, like we love the, the game, we love the camp, the, the show and everything I uh, got, you know, I, I love the whole series. So there's really no reason that we would knock that out. And Toy Vault, uh, to quell all the rumors of that, like Toy Vault didn't have the license or it violated Kickstarter rules or anything. That was all. That was not the case. So the, this was a separate thing. It was a, a different element. But that's really, I mean, obviously it did phenomenally well in like five days. It raised $40,000. Uh, uh, and that campaign was really just for the promo pack. So a lot of people were like, why are you funding this game that's already being made? And it's like, well, that wasn't, you could get the game, but it was for the promo pack. And because of that overwhelming response, even though the campaign had to come down, they still were able to make that promo pack. So now you could you can get that by pre-ordering through the Toy Vault website. So it's all the same stuff. We actually unlocked all the stretch goals that we were going to have. So that was a, a sort of best positive end to that that we could that we could hope for. Um, so we're happy that the game will be coming out. I think it's October, November is when that's due. Uh, so that, that'll be a lot of fun. So that's uh, out to the black. And I know at 10 o'clock, I believe you're hosting the Legends of American Frontier game demo, according to the thing. So, I mean, that looks like it's, it's getting slow, but I know it's going to pick up a lot of steam. Looks like a great game. Any other comments on that one? Because I know it won't be closing for another 20-plus days. Yeah, so most of our stuff we designed to finish after Gen Con. And, uh, and so Richard Lonnie, the designer, is actually here at the show. I had a meeting with him yesterday. we got a bunch of stretch goals. We're going to be unveiling a bunch of new cards. That, that game has tons of different types of cards, so you can add a lot of variety. But, hey, here's a new adventure you could go on. Here's a new you know, character you could be, that sort of thing. So uh, we will be doing, uh, I think he's running that demo, and then we are shooting a video, an updated how to play video. That's why we didn't have the how to play video up there yet. Um, BGG is actually doing one, and then we're also doing one with Richard. So that'll be posting up after the campaign. We just wanted that campaign to be live for the show because he was going to be here. So that way people could go, oh, what's this new game? And check it out. So I imagine that uh, that campaign, a lot of people are already at Gen Con, so they're not really looking at it yet. So if you're listening to this afterwards, you haven't seen it. It's Legends of the American Frontier. And it's this great story game of you sort of build your story. It's like, I killed me a bar when I was only three. And then I danced with the president's wife. And you, know, and you do all these little uh, challenges together. So it's sort of a semi-co-op you know, competitive game. So you want to be the one that has the most immortal stories, right? You want to be that person. 
and you live for a ridiculously long time in the game. It's like 150 years or something because <laughs> if you actually if you actually math out the timeline. Yeah. So yeah, that one's been a blast. We've been working on that for the last year. You can see the gorgeous art that our art department's done up on the page, uh, and yeah, Richard will be showing it off here, and uh, I think we have three or four more demos for it, and then we'll have that how to play video for folks that couldn't go to the show and see it. We'll have that going up after the show. And I know that I confused on our podcast the the bride because you've got prepared to die here now the card matching game and I was I was more interested in the the scene game because we love watching that movie so is that still scheduled for fourteen. Yeah, so the uh, story building game, as we call it, is basically a bunch of little scenes. So like, oh, here's the Battle of Wits, here's this other thing, right? Now, Prepare to Die is sort of a scene within that. Now, it's not really a scene from the movie, right? It's just a party game, but it goes off that immortal line. Hello, my name is Anika Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. So that's actually releasing next month. We do have previews here at the show, and that'll be in stores like next month. So then uh, in Q4, uh, fourth quarter of this year, you're going to see that campaign for the, the sort of full box game, which is a, basically a big box with a bunch of mini games inside. So we have games from like Philip Dewberry, Jim Harmon, we have a whole bunch of designers in on that. So it's sort of a compilation thing. So it's, it's really neat because we got people that are really excited about the movie, that love the movie, right? And they were like, oh, yeah. I want to play this little thing. And you don't want to play like, okay, let's play an hour and a half game where you play The Princess Bride. It's, it's not that weight of game, right? So you just have these games where you can play 10, 15, 20 minutes. You get to choose which ones you want to play. Some of the games are co-op. Some of them are two players. Some of them are... 12 players, you know, it all depends on the scene. So you can, when you get that big box, you'll be able to, it'll release next year, right? But you can get that and you'll have a bunch of mini games. And then that's a whole series. So that's not the only thing, right? Because people go, well, where's my favorite scene? Whatever it is. Like we have a a scene about uh, the chocolate coating makes it go down easier, but right? It's a miracle pill game. So you can have all these obscure scenes because eventually you're going to have little releases where, oh, you have this small release, you have this small release, and then you'll have these big boxes that come with a bunch. So the idea is over time, if there's a good reaction to it, you effectively would have most of the scenes from the movie and then you could play whatever you wanted so you're not going to play two hours of game right or three hours of game you're going to pick the ones you want to play whether it's a party game or a more strategic game like the fire swamp will be a little more involved so that'll (laughs) probably be its own game right because it's like going to have you know ROUS meeples and stuff like that so that'll be an exciting line we really view it as a line but yeah prepare to die is the first one because it's a quick party game it's real fun and easy that's coming out this year for the holidays and then next year you'll, you'll see the campaign likely at the end of this year Kickstarter campaign, and then next year that would actually release because that's a, a bigger production. And we don't expect people to, uh, you know, buy all of them. We're more of like a gaming platform than a single yes. publisher. So people go, oh, I don't really like this game or that game. It's like, well, just pick the games you like, right? And and you know, you know, we have uh, we've done a hundred and. 20 campaigns so far to date, uh, including ones that we've done fulfillment for and published. And we have a lot of products. I think we have over 300 products that we help fulfill and sell for other companies. So pick the games that you like and you know, just roll, da- roll dice, take names, and have fun. So. I appreciate it, Dan. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next up, we got Melody from Smirking Daggers, and she's going to tell us about Cutthroat Caverns and their new game, Dread Curse, one of the favorites over at the Dice Tower. I am at the Smirk and Dagger booth, standing here with Melody, who is finally dressed in her Gen Con. Were you in the parade? I wasn't in the parade. I am dressed in an outfit that comes from one of our games. Uh, That wouldn't be Cutthroat Caverns? It would be Cutthroat Caverns. And, uh, Tony, do you know our game company motto? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to say, because games are a lot more fun when you have stab a friend in the back. When you can stab. When you, when you can stab a friend. Thank That's you. right. It, um, it's hanging on a banner, guys. She's she's feeding me here. This is awesome. It's late on Saturday. We're all tired, and she was kind enough just to take a few minutes because I think she can lean up against the podium and really just relax here. So, Melly, tell me all about the game Smirks and Daggers, Dice Tower. 
They talked about dread curse. You sold out here a simple pull mechanism. Um, tell me about the other games here, how well it's going at Gen Con. And we're going to have an announcement. So tell me about the rest of the games here, how, how Gen Con's been going. You got one more day. Are you going to make it? Um, all that good stuff. And, you know, what's going on? All right. Well, our, uh, our most popular game is Cutthroat Caverns, which I'm dressed from. I'm actually dressed from one of the expansions, so I'm pretty cool. That game, uh, my, my uh, two-second pitch on that guy is you are dungeon crawlers but, but kill stealers, okay? So you're fighting monsters, but the only person who gets the credit for fighting the monster is the person who does the final damage. It's a lot of fun. You got to make sure that you check that one out. Um, next, we have the the Candyman series. The first one is Run for Your Life, Candyman, where you're gingerbread run trying to escape from Candyland, right? But as you go, you're dealing damage to the people that you pass, and if you deal enough damage, you can take their limbs as trophies. Okay, I see a lot of young families here playing, so you kind of say, "Wait a minute, that doesn't sound very family oriented." But it's the next step up. Uh, it is. It's. It's kind of, you know, how Candyland is like the most boring game ever? Yes. This is for those families who, I, I want to promote violence on a board game, not in real life. And it allows you to take your frustrations out on each other without actually hurting each other. And I know it's, it's a great game to teach colors and all that, and we've talked about growing up and how. But even I, with my daughter, and I said this on our podcast, I would sh mix up the deck just so that she would win quick enough. So I understand what you're saying. <laughs> What's really good? Shooting ladders. What's that one about? Okay, shooting ladders. The gingerbread men have gone into the real world and now they have guns. It's basically like a tactical first-person shooter board game. Think Halo meets gingerbread men. You have guns and gear and ammo. It's really awesome. Okay, who is sitting at Spark and Daggers coming up with these? This is awesome. Um, our our instigator in chief is. Believe it or not, his name is Kurt Covert. I'm not kidding you. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll take your word. I mean, how could I not take your word for it like that? And also, we've got a game here sitting at the booth. I just picked up these dice, rolling dice, taking names. We love our dice. These things are incredible. Um, are these Japanese or Chinese numbers? Um, actually, the Asians use the symbol, the same symbols. So they're, they are, it's, te it's technically a Japanese game, but it's the same numbers in Chinese and Japanese. Uh, this, this game is called Sutaku, which means to stack. So you roll the dice, and you have to stack two out of the three. And by stack, I mean if you roll like a one and a two, you can put those up on top of each other. And then you have to roll three more, three more dice, and stack two of those, meaning roll out of those three, have at least two that are two or higher. And you keep going until you want to stop, or you are no longer able to stack on top of your stack. And then you bust and score zero. <laughs> Well, that's interesting. My daughter just returned from China, so she could at least tell me what they say. So what else we got? Cutthroat Caverns, I've heard about it. It's probably, is that uh, next to Dread Curse? Um, are those your two biggest games? I've heard of Smirking Daggers. It's, it's uh, all over the place. Absolutely. Those are two biggest games. But our oldest game, actually, is Hex Hex. Hex Hex is like Wizard Hot Potato. All right, you're casting curses at each other, and you have spells in hand to deal with the curses. If you run out of spells in hand, well, uh, the curse blows up on you. Well, that's not a good thing. So I guess what I'm hearing a lot of theme here in these games is it is, like you said, stabbing someone in the back, doing a little damage. But, you know, it's great to take it out on games versus in real life. So 
You've sold out a drag curse. How about in the stores? When can the people expect to see it there? Should It should be coming soon, or is this a Gen Con release only? It is a Gen Con release, but it will be in retail stores in about two weeks. If your local game store doesn't have it, make sure they get it and tell them, we need this game. It's so much fun. Well, I do appreciate you taking the time talking with me today. Thanks, Tony. Up next is Sean Garrity from Baksha Games. He's the designer behind What's He Building in there. And as you know, in our pre-Gen Con, this was one of the games that I was really interested in seeing. Uh, matter of fact, it was number one. I got a chance to talk to Sean, and he was telling me all about the game. It's a real short interview, so uh, enjoy. And unfortunately, the game's not out yet. They ran into some production problems. But hopefully it'll be out in stores uh, later this year. Has the sales been great? Talk to me. What you got here? Sales have started off really well today. I mean, for a Thursday, I've, you know, we're doing very, very well. Uh, hopefully, we're going to sell out this weekend, so come in and get them early. Um, it's a, a worker placement game. I don't know how much uh, you've already gone Well, uh, Well, f- first off, let me just say that, you know, you hear about and you can see on the videos with Tom just how beautiful the pieces are, and this board is, is glossy. The cards are solid, huge, huge meeples here easy to read and for us older gamers such as myself that's key so i mean overall beautiful artwork um so what what made you think of this what 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 was your inspiration well i uh i always i I enjoy worker placement games myself I, i i love them but often uh i find that the theme are themes of them are a little weak so I decided that what I would do is I would continue the theme that I started with good help and bring it forward, and, and uh, it's part of the Evil Doctor trilogy that I'm doing. <laughs> so the first one's good help, this is the second one, what's he building in there, and then uh, I, I'm not at liberty to give any details about the third one. Well, we understand that, so you'll have a third one. What about any, are you looking at expansions or anything like that, or just go with the third trilogy here? I hadn't planned any expansions for this, but uh, I have been working on uh, a new set of Doomsday Machines and Escape Plans. Very nice. First time anyone's ever heard of it, so... Okay. Well, you first here, another one of our first, which, by the way, that will be number two, and we appreciate it, so, <laughs> you know, getting it out here. But once again, I mean, this is incredible. I wish you the best of luck with this game. Thanks. Sorry about the sudden stop of that interview there, guys, but um, we had some problems with the mic. So the next interview is with Square Shooters, and it's the last of our Gen Con 2013 interviews. And these guys are going to tell you about an opportunity to win $2,000. That's right, $2,000 by helping them promote their game. Now, their game is one that you've seen at Target or Walmart, which includes nine dice that mimics a normal playing deck of cards. So now all you've got to do is take those nine dice, come up with a game or some way to use them in a game, submit your idea to their forums, and hey, you might walk away $2,000 richer. Hey, I am standing here with Square Shooters, Tom and Brittany, and they're talking to me about their upcoming contest through the Dice Tower with their dice that have all the faces of the cards. You can mimic dice game, uh, card games, excuse me, and Tom, Brittany. So tell us a little bit about this contest that's coming up. It sounds outstanding. Um, you know, right now we're doing another contest, so a great one, anything for the Dice Tower Network. We appreciate it. So tell me about it. So Square Shooters are the first world's first deck of cards on dice. You can take a look at squareshooters.com. 
there's nine dice, 54 sides. It's 52 cards plus two jokers. The dice are patented with the ability to achieve every four of a kind, every rummy run, every straight flush, all 40 straight flush hands. They're a remarkable accomplishment by the inventor, Carmelin Calvert. We've published a title, uh, Square Shooters is a poker matching game at first, but the, the opportunities are endless to play with these dice and reinvent card games, uh, reinvent dice games. So we've opened a forum at forums.squareshooters.com. And in October, like David said, we're running a contest for four weeks where gamers can come along and say, here's how I'm going to use your dice to reinvent this game or play a new game. And uh, the winner is going to be published. We're going to pu promise to publish the winning title uh, through Game Salute, at least the first production run anyway, and, uh, and we're going to give away $2,000 to the winner. So you've gone ahead and partnership up with Game Salute. I went to his uh, events yesterday. That's outstanding because they're putting a lot of games out there. So, so tell me, how did you come up with this dice cards? Um, what was the thing? I think, Brittany, you were telling me about it. Yeah, you know, um, Carmelin, like we said, Carmelin Calvert, she was actually the inventor of the dice. She, it's a great story. She actually kind of woke up out of bed one night and uh, she went over to her barn and started cutting out these little uh, these little wooden blocks to be able to uh, plunk out all the different uh, die faces or card faces and did it in such a way, the, the one way possible, that uh, you're able to take everything and roll poker hands and rummy runs with. Every uh, every run, every type of rummy run is achievable. So, uh, and throughout the last couple of years, we've worked with her to help her receive a patent on her invention. So, Tom, where can everybody pick this up? Have I seen it in the mass markets? Is that where I've been seeing a lot of it? And how many have you already sold out there? You know, we've sold two, uh, almost a quarter million copies in two years. We're in Walmart. Tar uh, now we're in Target. We're in Walgreens. Um, people, you don't need to advertise an ace of clubs, right? It's the world's oldest game icon. Carmelin knew that for Cards on Dice to be uh, saleable, they actually had to be designed so you could play card games with them. And that's what Brittany was saying, her cutting up wood to, you know, figure out the, the arrangement is a remarkable, a remarkable thing. So the game itself, as a, as a feature title, is doing well. Now it's time to introduce the fact that it's a platform. It's a system of gaming. You know, the, the, the title we created, like I said, it's a family game. It's a party game. It's a game. It's a great gift for dads. But it's beyond that. The dice can do so many things, and we really want the gaming world to come and, and help us understand and help each other understand how to, how to play with cards on dice. Not to give it away, because I'm sure you can't enter your own contest here, but what's one of your favorites that you've done with the game? You know, honestly, we're happy with this uh, poker matching dynamic we created. We essentially had this chance to create a very authentic poker matching experience that takes the best of games like Yahtzee and really brings a different dynamic to the table. Um, as far as what's on our forum to date, uh, there's a game called Squarkle that uh, another gamer came along and uh, figured a, a, a way to play uh, the popular Farkle dice game using our dice. Just, I thought it was really neat. Very simple, very elegant. It only uses the dice to, to play a game that's already age-old and popular. So that's what's fun about our dice, I think. Well, guys, I appreciate you taking time out here at Gen Con. I'm sure you've gotten a lot of foot traffic because you're right here in the, the midst of um, Platte Hat. And I mean, holy cow, it's, it is busy around here. And this is just, you know, how was it yesterday and Thursday? Pretty good? You know, it's been very, very busy. Busy. The uh, opening day was great. And, uh, you know, yesterday, the strength, it's just people are, they're here and they're buying. They're, uh, they're just having a great time. And it's, the traffic is, I think, a little better than last year. But we're in a different spot, so it's always hard to judge. So what do you, other than square shooters, anything else coming out in 14 or anything like that? Or you got any um, 
Other games you got? Well, I said we're not going to publish a lot of different titles, uh, but but the exception that proves the rule is in 2013, uh, Rodeo Rummy. He, he, uh, he's showing me a very interesting box here, Rodeo Rummy. Uh, you know, Rummy, that's the game I grew up as a kid playing with my parents, so. Well, you know, it's just, it's a, it's, rummy type of games are a classic, and just like poker, the two games, two-thirds of what people do with a, a deck of cards are either poker or rummy type games. This game is essentially this very similar play pattern to Square Shooters, our original title. It's a rummy matching game. Uh, three rolls to match a rummy hand, and we assign the task with a spinner instead of a game card. And we've done that to sort of take the poker out, so we could attract uh, certain families with younger kids, younger players that might not want to play a poker matching game. All right, so Marty, Square Shooters running a contest the first part of October. So when our listeners hear this, they will be able to get in on this contest. And basically, you have the opportunity to win $2,500. You can go to their uh, website, squareshooters.com, and go to the link. There's a prize. So what you're doing is... If you have you seen this game at Target and Walmart where it's basically just nine dice? Uh, yes, I have. Where the, each of the dice has all the different like fifty-two cards on them. Right. And so what they're wanting you to do is, and like he was talking about in the um, interview, is they want you to take their dice because that is a problem with this game. You you get one of their one little game, and that's it. It's a great novelty game, and they're trying to push it even farther now. I've been thinking about, you know, how, what kind of card games do I like, but there's another aspect of it is how you could use, if there's games where you use cards or something, maybe you can use the dice. Uh, guys, either you, you don't have to like it or whatever, but my gosh, it's a shot at $2,000 and who couldn't use that kind of money? Yeah. And there's so many card games that we've all grown up with. It's, it would be kind of a neat twist instead of actually shuffling and dealing cards to use the same sort of concept with the dice. Uh, I'm not smart enough to come up with anything, but I'm sure a lot of other people are. Exactly. So w whatever you do, guys, just just give it a look. I don't think there's a lot. I forget how much the game cost at Walmart. I think it's right, roughly around $10. Don't hold me to that. Um, but, you know, it may be worth it if, if you just want to go out there and play with it. But actually, you don't even need to set it. Just know that there's nine dice and there's 52 faces or 52, um, you know, regular playing cards plus two jokers. And then just think about how you could use that. Go through Hoyle's Book of Rules on card games, and you may say, oh, it could work here or something like that. Or go pick you up four sets of square shooters, um, the dice, and say, ah, oh, we can use it for one of my favorite games is Old Shaw, but I don't see where that would work. So, eh, who knows? I'll have to give it some more thought. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a shot at it. Why not? Uh, shoot, yeah, and then you can give me half the money. Only if you contribute, dude. Only, you got to help me here. So, yeah, $1,000. <laughs> think about I'll, pl I'll play test with you. There you go. Okay, playtesting it is. All right, so that's that's it. Interviews. We've got a couple more that we've um, one special one that I've been holding off on on Marty mm -hmm. uh, uh, with um, S Scott Diagostino from um, Wiz Kids and Star Trek Attack Wing. We're going our next show. We're going to talk a lot about Star Trek Attack Wing, um, X Wing, and also Leviathan. I'm pushing him towards this. We are going to do this, Marty. We're going to do what? Talk about it? No, I'll talk about it. Yeah, we're going we're going to talk about the three. We I've got this whole brilliant thing in my mind. Hopefully between now and then we can I can get it down on paper so that you know what the heck I'm talking about. Which why would that be any different than any other podcast we do? Anyway, yeah, that that's that's going to be good cuz I think what do you want to do? Just look at the different mechanics between the three games and how they differ? Yeah. 
I mean, when, at Origins last year, we saw Leviathan, and we were like, man, yeah, it's a big price point for us, but man, we really like that. It's got a tactical game, and then out came Star Wars, and then now Star Trek, and I'm a Star Trek fan versus a Star Wars fan, and, um, you know, the different things. And yeah, that's what I want. Take, take a look at what's the differences between those, and, you know, we add another game to our collection that we don't get a chance to play. <laughs> <laughs> another expensive game to add to the collection that I won't get a chance to play. Right. And you, you put in a podcast last time about Leviathan's maybe coming out with a Kickstarter. I think Randall, who knows, could help us out there, but you know, yeah, yeah. I think they're getting ready to repackage it or something like that. So yeah, I think that that'll be good. And so we'll have that interview and then we'll just have a little discussion on the tack wing, which I haven't played and you have. So I, you have to take the lead on that one. Yeah, but you've done the demo of X-Wing, which I haven't done, so we can sit there and talk back and forth on that, and we've both done Leviathan, so yeah, absolutely. Sounds like we may need to go to the game store and, and pull out their copy and, and play it a little bit. Uh, no. Did you see the guys that were behind us the other night who had done mock-ups of real asteroids? Awesome. They had the play. This we're talking about X Wing. They had the uh, play mat, the star play mat, and they had the mock up, like you said, asteroids on the board. It looked great. They had they played for quite a while. It looks like they're having a good time back there. Oh yeah, no doubt about that. Oh, there was no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you say that so, and stuff like that. I didn't work that and time. Stuff, Never mind. No, no. And outstanding. Mm-hmm. So anyway, all right. So what else we got? Anything else for the show before we um, sign off here? We got anything else coming up that we know? Oh, um, pay attention, guys. You may be getting an email. Marty mentioned something about our consolation prizes. I finished them up, and we'll be sending those uh, announcements out to the people who were picked for the consolation prize. And so, pay attention to your email if you're one of the lucky ones that was part of our drawing for, for you, that. And I, yeah. Do you want to say what the consolation prize was? Yeah, sure. Um, basically, I've been trying to figure out how to make dice trays, and I've made a couple more dice trays, and so I'm offering those up for the consolation prize. And so you'll be getting an email about that. Hey, they're not $80 quality, geek chic quality, but hey, it's a free dice tray. Why not? They're, actually, they're nice dice trays. They're, they're wood. they got a felt bottom on it. They're, uh, what, about 10 inches across? Uh, yeah, about 10 inches, roughly. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he made me um, one, I guess, last Christmas, and we use it all the time. So whoever gets these, they're, they're nice. They're they're really useful. Yeah, Marty, I was surprised at how much I would use my dice trays as well. But, uh, you know, so guys, trying to keep to our hour limit here. So we're going to wrap it up for tonight, and we hope you enjoyed the show. And until next, oh, whoa, let's try that again, Marty. So until next time, keep rolling dice. Are those crickets I hear behind you? Yeah, the windows, it's a beautiful fall night here, in the, even though it's not really fall here in the Carolinas. It will be in a couple of days. Yeah. And taking names. This is not Bruce Wayne. And I just wanted to tell you to follow Rolling Dice and Taking Names at Dice and Names on Twitter, RollDiceTakeNames.com, and subscribe to their guild on Board Game Geek. This episode was sponsored by the Gamers Codex, your source for game news, reviews, and a fun place to discuss the games you enjoy playing. Visit them at thegamerscodex.com. So Marty, what do I set my DVR to? Uh, What's it? You're going to set it to ABC. It comes out the day this episode comes out, the 24th at 8 o'clock. Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Consider it done.